Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. You know what I love about the Word of God and about how God deals with us? It's the different ways in which He does it. I mean, sometimes the Word comes forth and it hits you like Thor's hammer. And then there's other times where God deals with you and He deals with you so gently and so gracefully. But you know what? Either way, it has the same effect. Now, don't you dare get quiet on me this morning. (laughs) You'll scare me. Last I checked, we're Pentecostal. We don't mind saying amen once in a while, right? So, the title this morning for my message is Knowing God, the Doorway to Revival. Now, We've been praying for revival, have we not? Haven't we been praying for God to move? What's, what's the theme been since from the, from, from the first of the year? Ask of the Lord rain, Zechariah 10. We've been asking God for the rain. We've been asking God to move. We've been asking God, and, and he's been faithful to do that in measure. But... There's a key that opens the door to revival. Revival is more than just running, jumping, shouting. You know that the devil doesn't mind if you do that one bit. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you shout, if you jump, if you dance. Doesn't scare him one bit. But what does scare him is when you begin to move and you begin to act out your relationship with God. Then he gets nervous. Because see, all your shouting and all your dancing and all your... That doesn't doesn't change somebody's heart. It's fun, and it, it's, it's exciting. But the only thing that changes your heart and changes how you are is your relationship with God. How do you see God? How do you relate to Him? So we're going to look at a real, real familiar part of Scripture. So go with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm sorry. No, we're not going to go to Ephesians this morning. We're going to go to Philippians. Let's have a word of prayer, though, before we start. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that we find everything we need in your word. And so, Father, all we're doing this morning is declaring your word. Father, we're not here to glorify anybody but you. We're not here to lift anybody up but you. 
We're not here to be men pleasers. We're not here to be pleasers of the flesh. We're here to please you. And just like the song said this morning, may our praise and our worship, may our attitudes this morning be a sweet sound. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess what, um, as I was, after Sean asked me, I don't know, a month and a half ago to, to get ready for this morning, and I was before the Lord just trying to find out what he wanted and listening. And I mean, he dropped this word into my heart so swiftly and so quickly that I knew. I knew exactly what the Lord wanted to share. And it's, it's, what's fun about this is ever since then, uh, everyone that has ministered for maybe the last two months have just tap danced all around us. They've mentioned it in passing. Uh, what started me on this, I guess, was maybe, I don't know, I don't even know when the first time I heard it. But I heard this song. And when I heard it, it just absolutely messed me up. And the words of it say this, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. Caught up in this holy moment, I never want to leave. I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. I'm sorry for just going through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come with my own agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you were enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I'm going to try real hard to get through this this morning. Philippians 3. And we'll start reading. Well, let's start reading in verse 4. Paul said this, though I, though, I, though I also have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of the Hebrew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul said, I've, I've done all of it. If anybody has any reason to boast, I have a reason to boast. But then he says this, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of knowing the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him. 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. If by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. And then he goes down. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or to have attained or to have gotten where I want to get. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I, I read that, and I've read that scripture lately, and I've, guys, it has a whole different aspect to me now. The Lord asked me a question. He said, if you think that the man who was probably the greatest evangelist that has ever lived, the man who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, do you think if he said, I need to know Christ, do you think I might, there might be a few things that I can still show you? You see, the whole purpose of revival is not just to get warm, fuzzy feelings. I, I'm probably going to shoot some of your theology right out from underneath you this morning. But it's not just so you can come here and have really nice warm feelings or you can get your spiritual um, quota, your spiritual fix and go on your merry way. That's not what God's about. The highest call that a believer and someone who knows Christ, the highest calling they have is not to win the loss. <laughs> Boy, y'all see some looks I'm getting. The highest call that you have is not to speak in tongues or prophesy. The highest calling that you have as a believer is to know Christ. Now, this... If, if you're fairly new in Christ, this is probably going to be something you're going like, what? Because we haven't taught this like it should be taught. And we haven't taught this like it needs to be taught. Paul said that I may know him. The Greek word is genosko. It speaks of obtaining personal or experiential knowledge. Not just the intellectual knowledge of facts, but personal experience involving something or someone. It speaks of the depth of relationship between a husband and wife, the most intimate knowledge of another person. Think about it. These are, come, these are the words that are coming from a man 
who knew Jesus. I mean, the guy was instrumental. He he was the starting point of the Gentile people being able to know Jesus. He wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. But in essence, he was saying, I know him, but I don't know him. I know him, but I don't know him. I was trying to think of a good way to, to, to really illustrate this. And so, I, I, this is the best way I can think of to illustrate this. Stand up for a minute. Yes, you. <laughs> okay, so how many of you know who this is? Okay. This is Jessica. You know her, don't you? You have some degree of experience with her that you know her. Now, most of you don't know that she's my niece. I've known her forever. I have experiential knowledge of her that puts me on a different level of relationship than you. She's got children here. Her children know her. Her children know her on a different level than what I know her. They have different experiences with her that allow them to know her in a different way. So you see there's levels here. The level that you know her, the level that I know, the level her children know her. And then there's the level that her husband knows her. Their relationship goes to a depth that puts the rest of our relationship with her in a whole different light. That's what this word genosco means. It means that kind of relationship. Paul said that's the kind of relationship that I want with Christ. You can sit down. Thank you. Um, so that's what this word means, that I, that I may know him, that I may be intimate with him. You see, too often we get so, though, so caught up in seeking the hands of Jesus that we forget to seek his face. Sometimes we get so involved with the outer aspects of knowing Jesus that we don't get to the very core of what it means to know Jesus. And that's intimacy with him on a level that even goes beyond the intimacy of a husband and a wife. That's what this word means. That's what this word speaks of a depth of relationship that goes beyond anything that that you can have on this earth. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Paul means that I may know him more than I do now. For he knew him and delighted in him, but he felt as if he had not begun really to know Christ. 
He was like a child at school who has learned to read and to write, but he knows only so much that he begins to want to know more and learn more. I love this quote, A.W. Tozer. He said, I almost shrink from hearing the expression, the deeper life, because so many people want to talk about it as a topic, but no one seems to want to know and love God for himself. God is the deeper life. Christ is the deeper life. As I plunge on into the knowledge of the triune God, my heart moves on into the blessedness of his fellowship. This means that there is less of me and more of God. Thus, my spiritual life deepens and I am strengthened in the knowledge of his will. I think this is what Paul meant when he penned that great desire that I may know him. He was expressing more than the desire for acquaintance. He was yearning to be drawn into the full knowledge of the fellowship with God, which has been provided in the plan of redemption. Tommy Tenney, he wrote a book back in the 90s called The God Chasers. I don't know if you've, if, if, if you've read it, but that, that, it's a book that revolutionized how I see God and how I, I uh, about intimacy with God. He said this, there's a vast difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Knowing God comes through direct power encounters and through biblical study. These power encounters are usually of the variety which cannot be found within the context of the dusty, moldy pages of God's past tracks. Mm. So understanding and having experiential or experiential knowledge of God, you only get that by being with Him. About as many amens as I thought I would get on that. You only get to know him by spending time with him. Intimacy with Christ is the only way to experience his sustained presence. Intimacy with Christ is the only way, not a way, the only way to experience the sustained presence of God in your life. Emphasis on sustained. New Living Testament. John 17.3 says, This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent you to earth. Ephesians 4.13, this work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. 1 John 5.20, we've heard this scripture a few times in the last month. And we know that the Son of God has made our understanding come alive so that we can experience the one who is true. We are in him who is true, God's Son, Jesus Christ, the true eternal God life. Ephesians 3.19. How many times have we talked and we have heard and we have, we have read and we have prayed the Ephesians prayers? 
Ephesians 3.19 says that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life and be completely filled and flooded with God himself. The only way that you get this is by spending time with him. It comes from not just knowing about him, but actually taking time to know the heart of God. You see, we're real good, and we've gotten it down good of ministering to other people, as we should. We've gotten real good about, about being able to minister to other people, but we have forgotten the treasure of ministering to God. We have completely got away from the fact that we have a responsibility and when you are in intimacy with God, you're not just in it for what you can get out of it. You are in this thing because you want to know the heart of God. You think about it with a, with a husband and a wife. What's, what's their goal? They, they grow in knowledge of each other. They know what's on each other's heart. They know what's in the spirit. They know each other so well that they can know exactly what's going to happen if they do something. They know what the reaction's going to be, whether it's good or bad. They're going to know what the reaction is. It comes from knowing his heart. It is not a transactional relationship. It is not a a relationship based on transactions. There, we've gotten into this mindset of I'm I'm going to I'm going to come and I'm going to give myself to Jesus because I get eternal life. I get this. I get that. I get all. You know what? The benefits are great. They are. But there is no greater benefit that you get than knowing the heart of God and knowing relationship with Him, and knowing who He is, and knowing what He's done, and understanding, not just saying intellectually, I know Jesus loves me, but my gosh, it gets down in here, and it's in your heart, it's in your gut. You know that you are beloved of God. And you know what that does? That makes you, and it should make you want to love him back. It's not a transactional transaction. A relationship that goes beyond the benefits. It's a relationship that goes after the heart of God. It's a relationship that connects with the heart of God. You can know the heart of God. Do you know that? I hope that doesn't shock you this morning. You can know what the heart of God is. You can know what God's thinking. You can know what God... Just take some time with Him 
get into your prayer closet with him and shut your mouth and listen to him. He'll share his heart with you. Quit coming to him and seeking his hands and always seeking his hands. Listen, it's not our relationship is not is not about, oh God, Aunt Susie needs this, Uncle Bill needs this, 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 this. No, sometimes it's just coming into God's presence and sitting and being quiet. Greatest, one of the greatest uh, ideas about this of the greatest illustrations is this is the story of Mary and Martha. And and they both they both had desire. But you read, especially when, when Jesus was at their house. And listen, listen to this good. Mary was all about serving. She was all caught up in the serving part of it. She was all caught up in the, in, in the, the serving part of it. And she got upset because Mary wouldn't help. And Mary just wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> she goes to Jesus and she says, will you tell her to help me? Jesus said to Martha, Martha, you're so caught up in so much stuff. You're so caught up in so many things. And then he makes this statement. He says, Mary has chosen the better thing. Which was what? To sit at the feet of Jesus. Just to sit at his feet. You see, because the time was going to come down the road when Mary and Martha were going to face crisis. They were going to face a serious crisis. They were going to have to, to bury their brother. They were going to have to deal with the fact that Jesus didn't come when they thought he should get there. They were going to have to deal with the fact that Jesus didn't do what they thought he was going to do. They both came and they both said the same things. If you would have only been here, Lazarus would have lived. And you can read there where it says, when Jesus finally got there, Martha rushed out to him. And she confronted him over this. But it says that Mary sat in the house. And Jesus came to her. You see, what prepared Martha, and what put the difference was that Martha's servants did not her, her heart of being so caught up in all the other things that she hadn't taken time to hear what Jesus said. When the, when the rubber hit the road, she wasn't ready. Oh, you see, but, but Mary had sat at Jesus' feet. Mary had taken the time to sit at Jesus' feet. So when the crisis came, she knew. She knew him. She knew what he would do. And that's what moved the heart of God.
Because Mary had sat at his feet, she knew how to pray. She knew how to touch him. She knew how to reach him and move his heart. And because she learned how to sit at Jesus' feet, it brought forth resurrection. When you learn to sit at Jesus' feet, when you can slow yourself down long enough to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, I'm here, Jesus. Here I am. I'm just going to sit here at your feet. What do you want to say? What do you want to say to me? That's what prepared Mary to be able to touch the heart of Jesus and get the resurrection that she needed. What? Intimacy with Him. She knew Him on a whole different level than Martha did. It's, it's amazing to me how we, we skip past this And we don't understand the importance of knowing Jesus. And we understand the path. Not just, when I say knowing, I, I'm talking about being intimate with Him. I don't care how long you've served God. I don't care how long you've walked with Him. You do not know near about Him what you think you know. You haven't even, I've been, I've been doing this, I've been doing this for 40 some years. And I have come to the conclusion that I don't know him at all. Not like I need to. Not like I'm supposed to. Intimacy, the desire to really know Christ, is the catalyst that births revival. Most of you know, I'm a student of revival. I've, I've got volumes on revival. I can never recall one time in, in reading about people praying for revival that they prayed, oh God, give us, give us signs, give us wonders, give us miracles. You know what their prayer was when you really start looking at it? Their prayer was, Jesus, show us who you are. Let us see who you are. The greatest, one of the greatest moves of God that I've ever read about, the Lewis Revival in the Hebrides Islands shortly after World War II, started with six men in a barn praying. And two elderly sisters, one was, bound, one, one was wheelchair bound, the other was blind. They just began to pray. One of the things that broke this open was one night as they were praying, one of the young fellows began to pray out, and he prayed this, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? He wasn't praying for God. He wasn't praying for supernatural spectacular. He was praying, God, am I where I need to be? Do I know you like I need to know you? It doesn't matter whether you are an elderly, well-seasoned Christian, a baby Christian. 
doesn't matter whether you're in your 80s or you're 18 or 17 or 16. There is a place in Christ that He has already predetermined to take you. And the only way you're going to find that out is by knowing Him. Oh, but I've, I've been in church every, ever since I, I was born. Big deal. So what? That doesn't mean you know Christ. That doesn't mean you know Christ. Well, I've walked with the Lord for 40 years. Awesome. That doesn't mean you know Christ. Knowing Christ isn't about time. It's not about, it's about experience. It's about experiencing Him. How have you experienced Him in your life? How have you experienced Him? How has He been able to reveal Himself to you? It's not a desire for signs, wonders, supernatural experience, but a hunger to know Jesus in greater and greater measures. You do that, and you're going to get all the revival that you want. You do that, you just start praying, God, Father, just like we sang this morning, show me your glory. Y'all sing it, and, and, and most of you, I, 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 help me, Lord. Do we really know what we're singing? Do we really know what we're saying? When you start asking God to show you His glory, heaven will be nothing. And heaven is nothing without God. Heaven's nothing without God, folks. If, there, if God wasn't in heaven, you'd get just as bored up there as you are down here. If the thought, if the thought of, 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 of having relationship with God doesn't stir your heart, then you know what? You're bored with Him. Or you've got too many, thing else, too many other things going on. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to say it. God is not interested in having a one-night stand with you. God's not interested in paying for your devotion. God's not interested in having you around or having you come around just when it pleases Him. He wants relationship with you. He wants intimacy with you. He's not interested in all the side details like we are. He's not interested in all that stuff. Somebody said it. I don't know, Mike, if it was Mike that said it this morning. Somebody along the line have said this thing about, oh, you did. You said what? About the fruit of the earth. About, about the precious fruit of the earth. What's the precious fruit of the earth? We are the precious fruit of the earth. You're the precious fruit of the earth. God's not interested in all the... Uh, he's not interested in what you bring to the table. He's not interested in that. He's not interested in what you have to offer Him. What He's interested in is you. 
and having relationship with you and knowing you and you knowing him. That's what he is interested in. He doesn't care about all this other stuff. He doesn't care about what you did or what you've done or what you've done in the past. All he is interested in is you. And he's interested in you knowing him. I know some of you are thinking, some of you are looking at me like a horse at a rope. But this is, this is the essence, guys. This is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. If you don't get this down, none of the rest of it is going to do you a dime's worth of good. If you don't get this settled in your heart and in your spirit, just like Paul did, that I may know him, that I know him, I know the power of his resurrection. I know the fellow. I want to know that about him. I want to be that close to him. I want him to be able to share with me the innermost thoughts of his heart. I want God to be able to share the innermost part of his heart with me. You with me? Everyone wants the anointing to prophesy. Everyone wants the anointing to lay hands on the sick, to raise the dead, to speak words of knowledge. We're all, we're all, we're all on that stuff, aren't we? But few desire the anointing that causes them to live a holy, righteous life. Are you after that anointing? Are you after that anointing to live a holy, righteous life? Do you want the anointing to live a holy, righteous life? It causes you to live a holy, righteous life that doesn't just talk about Jesus. But your life puts Him on full display for everybody to see. Your life puts Him on full display. It's knowing Jesus to such an extent that you don't have to tell people you know him. (laughs) You don't have to. They just know it. They know. There's something different about that guy. There's something different about that woman. You can get to know Christ so much that you can be going about your business and have somebody walk up to you and say, hey, would you pray for me? They just know. They know that you know him. You don't have to go around with bumper stickers and t-shirts and all this other stuff. I mean, those are all right. Don't get me wrong. But listen. You can have something within you that will do more than a bumper sticker or a t-shirt will ever do. You're, li- you're living a life that says, I'm crucified with Christ. Yet it is not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have what you need. Without ever speaking a word. 
Now there's a goal to reach for. There's a purpose to reach for. There's a place to reach for. I used to get so frustrated. I'd read about these great revivals and read about great men and women of God about the thing. I got so mad one time, I threw the book across the room. So frustrated. Because it would frustrate me to no end. Because it was, it was the desire of my heart to do this. But yet they were here and I was here. And I couldn't figure out how to get here. And I'd tell the Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You know my heart. You know what I want. Why can't I get there? And I was praying this one day, and I, I was just super frustrated. I was. And the Lord said, you want to know the difference? You want to know why they're there? Because they know me, and they knew me on a level that you don't know me. And I was like, oh boy. You see, God only reveals himself to us to the point and to the, to the measure that we're willing to let him reveal himself. God will only reveal himself to us as much as we allow him to reveal to us. Everyone wants, uh, you know, everybody wants the good anointings. Everybody wants those things. And listen, don't get me wrong, those are, there's nothing wrong with, with desiring those things. But if you don't have the anointing to know him first, if you don't have the hunger to know him, if you don't have the hunger to have relationship with him, and you're just after all this other stuff, you're after a faulty, a faulty walk. It's a walk that will fail you eventually. Because sooner or later, the warm, fuzzy feelings are not going to be there. Sooner or later, the signs and the wonders... See, signs and wonders are great, guys, but they're only, they're only temporary. They're temporal. They don't last. But what you have in Christ, in your relationship with Christ, is what lasts. It's what carries you. It's what takes you from trial to trial and through tribulation and through all these things, even like Mike was talking about this morning. It's relationship with Him. It's knowing Him that takes you from where you are to where He is. It's the hunger, it's the desire for relationship. i got to hurry. So we've established the fact that it's important. You have to know Jesus. You have to have relationship. How? How do you do it? We can go back and we'll look in here in a couple of verses and we're going to see how Paul did it and what Paul's mindset was. Go back to verse 8. He said, I count all things lost for the excellency of knowing the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. One version says it this way, yes indeed, therefore, at least, even I am still setting all things down to be a loss for the sake of that which excels all others. 
my knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, which I have gained through experience, for whose sake I have been caused to forfeit all things. And I am still counting them dung in order that Christ I might gain. So what's the first thing Paul said? He said, I count all things lost. I count all things lost. Now notice, Paul didn't say, I count some things lost. You see, I, I, I think when we think about Paul saying this, that he's thinking about all the bad stuff he did. I count all that bad stuff lost. I count all the, all the, the dumb stuff I did. I, count all, I put all that behind me. I count all that lost. But that's not what Paul was saying. Go back to the first part of that verse and read of all the good stuff, all the accolades, all the things that he accomplished, all the things that he brought himself to. And he said, I count it all loss. I put it in the loss column. It doesn't mean anything. It has no purpose. It gets me nowhere in the kingdom. There's not one thing that I can do that will get me any place in the kingdom of God. I get there by the grace of God. I get there through His sacrifice. I get there through faith in Him and believing in the work of the cross. That I, I get there by believing that the Spirit of God dwells within me. That's what gets me into the kingdom of God, not what I do. Now, is it important that I do things? Absolutely. But get it in the proper perspective. Get it in order. I don't work to get salvation. I don't work to get saved. I work because I am saved. I work because I am redeemed. I do things because I am redeemed. It's coming to a place. He, he said it wasn't just some things, it was all things. Not just the bad or negative things, but all things. Nothing, he said, is left but Jesus. Nothing is left but Jesus. Some of y'all are having a hard time getting this into your spirit. That's okay. But some of you, God's stirring something up in you this morning that you're saying, I got to know Him more. I got to know more about Him. I got to get closer to Him. I got to get close to Him. I got to get closer than I am to him. It's coming to a place where you remove the ceiling on your intimacy with Christ. It's coming to a place where you remove the ceiling of your intimacy with Christ. You remove all the limits and you remove all the boundaries. You see, that's part of where we, where we come short is that we put limits and boundaries. We have a, a ceiling that we have put. Well, I'll, I'll take this much of Jesus and no more. I'll have this much of Jesus and I'm, I'm good there. 
But see, when you come into intimacy, you, you throw all that stuff out the window. You, you, you take the ceiling off. You take the limits off of Him. You take the boundaries away and say, I don't care what you do. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what. I want you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want you to know me. And I want to know your heart. So I'm taking all the limits off. Everything's, everything's yours. No limits. No boundaries. Louis Giglio said this, God wants to be known by you and you can know as much about Him as you have the appetite and desire to know. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. There's no limit. He doesn't say, well, okay, you know me to this point. That's all I can show you. You've gotten to this level. That's, that's as far as I can take you. That's not, <laughs> that's not how he does this. He's saying, you want to know me? I'll show you as much of me as you want to see. I'll show you as much of me as you want to pay the price for. It means that he becomes first and he becomes foremost. Everyone and everything else, everyone and everything else lines up behind him. He becomes it. And until he becomes it, you're going to struggle in your walk. Until you come to the place where you put everything and everyone behind Him. You're going to struggle. Your walk is going to be a struggle. You're going to be fighting tooth and toenail. You're going to be one step forward and two steps back. It means life ceases to be about you and begins to be centered around Jesus. Life ceases to be about you. And it gets centered around Jesus and Jesus alone. So let's look real quick. I got just a few minutes left. Paul said, I count. That word count means to reflect or engage in an intellectual process to give careful thought. Paul was constantly scrutinizing and giving careful thought to his life and his purpose. Paul was constantly scrutinizing his life, looking over his life. And then he said, I count all things. That means everything, no exceptions. Everything dealing with my life. Everything deals with my financial. Everything that deals with my material, my physical, my intellectual, my moral, and my religious life. And then he says, loss. I count it loss. That word means disadvantage, forfeiture. Entering into a less desired situation. Suffering disadvantage and hardship and uncomfortableness. Oh, hallelujah. 
what Paul was saying. And what that's saying is this, I'm willing to lose whatever does not lead to knowing Christ. I'm willing to put away whatever does not lead to knowing Christ. For some of you, it's a relationship. For some of you, it's a habit. For some of you, it's bitterness. For some of you, it's unforgiveness. I mean, go down the list. But what Paul's saying here is, I count all that stuff. I count, well, what did he say? I count it as dung. That's about as disgusting as you can get. But he said, that's what it all is to me. Because I only, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on knowing Jesus. I'm focused on knowing Christ. I'm willing to lose whatever does not lead to knowing Christ, even if it puts me into an undesirable circumstance. That may be uncomfortable and hard. Oh, do we hate that. Do we hate being in uncomfortable, hard places? Places that are hard on our flesh. Places that... <laughs> uh, again, I wish you could see how some of you are looking at me. I wish I could paint you some rosy, just beautiful picture here. But I'm telling you what, guys, when you start coming to the place where you want to know Christ and you want to really understand and know Him, it's going to take you into some uncomfortable places because you're going to have to look at yourself and you're going to have to look at your life and you're going to have to say, that's got to go, that's got to go. Listen, I'm not preaching to you this morning. You know that? All I'm doing is, I'm sharing with you what God is instructing and giving His instruction to me. This is hard. Because the minute you start, you say, I'll tell you what, you want to know how close you are and how, how much you, 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 how determined you are to know God? Take the time you spend with God. Take the time you spend with the Lord. And measure it up against the time you spend on social media. Or the time you spend on Netflix. Or the time you spend on your favorite little hobby. Ouch. I've already said my ouches. And I'm telling you what, there's things that God's laying down. And he's saying, okay, you want to know me? You got to, this has got to go. And you got to take that time and spend it with me. This has to go. And you have to spend that time with me. you got to forget about this person and what they are or what they've done or what they mean. And you got to start concentrating on me. And you got to start looking at me. It's not easy. But Paul said, I, I, I suffered all. It's all loss. It's nothing. He said, for the surpassing value. That means, speaks of that which excels. That's what is superior, or better, or exceptional, or more excellent. Listen, there is nothing that you can find in this world. Nothing you can find in your relationships. Nothing you can find in any of that even begins to compare to the excellence and, the, and the ex that excels more than knowing Jesus. 
those things are going to pass away. That relationship is going to pass away. That relationship is going to change, but what you have in Christ is going to take you through eternity. That's what's going to propel you into eternity. In other words, Paul was saying this. My life is under constant personal scrutiny in every area. No exceptions. And he was ready to forfeit anything that did not cause him to know Christ in a deeper measure. I know this, this, this is tough. But see, this is, what, this, is what, this is what it costs to be a Christian. You give up everything. You don't hang on to a thing. And God's not going to pry it out of your fingers. He's not going to, he's not going to come to you every day and nag you to get rid of it. You're going to do it because you choose to, because you want to, because you love Him so much that there is nothing that means more to you than He does. Help me, Lord, I'm running out of time. Your life becomes intensely focused on intimacy. Verse 14, quickly, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. I press on towards the goal. Tommy Tinney, again in his book, The God Chaser, said this, God chasers are peoples whose passion for being in His presence pressed them to chase the impossible in hopes that the uncatchable might catch them. Listen, he said this, whatever impresses you, attracts you. Whatever you pursue, becomes your purpose. Paul said, I press on. That phrase means to follow, to press hard after, to pursue with an intense, diligent effort, to obtain and to run swiftly and intently after something. Knowing Jesus involves pursuit. Pursuit involves discipline, focus, and intensity. If knowing Jesus is not your core motive, if getting acquainted with Jesus and having intimacy with Jesus is not your core motivation, then you're not after real, true, genuine revival. You're not after the abundance of rain that God has for you unless your core motivation is to know Him and to follow Him and to walk with Him. If that's, what, if that's not what you're after, what you have will not last. It won't carry you through. The proof of your resolve is in the intensity of your pursuit. The proof of your resolve is in the intensity of your fruit. The fruit of your life, your home, your church, your ministry, however you serve, your spiritual structure, what it, the fruit looks like will show the core focus of your pursuit. We're called 
to give an exam letter. We're supposed to examine ourselves. That means we're supposed to go look in the mirror. Spiritually. I, sometimes you may have to do it physically. You may have to go look in the mirror and say, okay, that don't look very good. That's not what Jesus... I, I've been through... I just went through... I'll share this real quick, and I'm done. I got a neighbor. And he is a crank. He is. I'll be honest with you. He's not a nice guy. And we've had a few um, encounters, interactions. <laughs> and so, I'm back with the lawnmower thing here. And I'm out mowing my lawn. And in my mind, I'm saying, I hope he comes out here and says something. Lord, I hope he comes. If he comes out and says something, then I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. <laughs> and the Lord sought me one day and said, what are you doing? What are you spending your time thinking on? You're acting like a crazy man. And guess what? I repented, but guess what? Those thoughts didn't go away. They start coming back to me. They'd come, and they still do. Oh, if he comes out, I'm going to do this, or I'm, you know, I'm waiting for this. But you know what I started doing? I started stopping those thoughts, and I started saying, "Lord, would you, would you bless this man? God, would you, would you do something in his life? You let him when he comes out and he gets behind that lawnmower and he gets close to that property line. You, will you let him feel the presence of God so strong? Will you let him feel the power and presence and the love of God so strong that that dude hits his knees right out there in the middle of the lawn and gives his heart to you? Amazing. You know what happens? The other thoughts go away. They don't stay. Because I focused. I focused on what's important. And that's letting myself and knowing Jesus. I'm going to close with this. Revival wasn't birthed by people who had nothing else to do but pray. Revival wasn't birthed by people who were, weren't busy and just didn't have anything else to do. It wasn't birthed by preachers who were just doing their job. Revival was birthed by preachers who put aside personal allocates and notoriety to pursue and know Jesus. Revival was birthed by men who had families to support, jobs to attend to, but gave up evenings at home together with like-minded men to pursue and know Christ. Revival was birthed by moms who had families to attend to, but sacrificed their me time to pursue and know Christ. Revival was birthed by businessmen and women who valued intimacy with Christ more than they did profit. Revival is birthed by people who decide 
that knowing Christ means more than anything else. Paul said, I need to know Him. I don't care what stage you are in your walk with Christ. There's more that you don't know about Christ than you do. Maybe you're just getting started in this thing. Maybe you're, you're, you're a baby Christian. Oh, you've got a whole world ready to be open to you. You too. If you've walked with Christ for any period of time, you have a whole world open to you that you have not even begun to explore. But it all comes by knowing Jesus. That's the starting point. Paul knew that. Paul talked about it in several places, about knowing Christ, about apprehending Christ, about pursuing Christ. If we're going to see revival, I mean real revival. If we're going to see God move like He has never moved in, 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 in the history of humanity, if we're going to see those things, it's going to be because we first have come to this place where we pray like Paul prayed, that I may know Him, that I know Him, that I am intimately acquainted with Him, and He is intimately acquainted with me. I don't know about you this morning, but the, the ceiling has come off. The limits have been removed. The boundaries have been removed. God, I don't care what you ask of me. I don't care what you ask of me. I don't care what you want. I just want you. I don't care about all the, the, the benefits. I don't care about all that stuff. It's good. But that's not what I'm after, Jesus. I'm after you. I want you. And nothing else. And watch where God takes you. Watch what you begin to experience. Watch what you begin to see happen in your life. Those things that once push your buttons don't even bother you anymore. Those things that you once thought you wanted and you desired, those things that you thought were so important, they come to be nothing except knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. I'm telling you what, folks, I don't want anything else. You can take everything that I have. You can take everything that I have. You can take everything that I own. My family? Come on. Are you willing to put them behind Jesus? Are you willing to put everything behind Him and say, Jesus, you're it. I want you and I don't want anything else. Then you're going to see.
revival. You're going to see personal revival. When we get to this, and I've, I've gone over, but when we get to this in a corporate mindset, when church, this begins to come our mindset as a church, oh, we don't care about anything else. We don't care what everybody else is doing. We don't care what anybody else is saying. We don't care what everybody else is preaching. We don't care. We are going to know you. We are going to become intimate with you. First in our own lives. And then as a corporate body, Jesus, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be a group of people that presses toward the mark. <laughs> we're going to be a group of people that presses toward the mark. We're going to, we're going to be a group of people when everybody else is dinging around with all this other stuff. We're after you, Jesus. We're after knowing you. We're after pursuing you. It's just like the song says. All I want is you, Jesus. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. By your heads with me. Hallelujah. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Oh, Jesus, thank you. God, for the hunger that you have placed within our hearts to know you. The hunger that you have placed in our hearts to pursue you. God, there is not one of us sitting here this morning, Father. There is not one of us, one that's watching online that can say, I know, I know everything there is to know about you. I know everything there is to know about you. Because there is more that we don't know about you than there is that we know about you. But your desire is to bring us into that. Your desire is to bring us into that fullness. Your desire, Jesus, is to reveal yourself entirely to us. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experience you in your fullness. We can have that experience right here, right now. So Father, you move on hearts. You, you, you do what you want to do. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.